So James, what do you, what is mental strength? (laughs) Well, I would think of it as the same as physical strength, just for your brain. (laughs) Okay. So if you would be, if you'd be mentally strong, you can, you can uh, endeavor, you can do hard things. When things are difficult, you don't give up. Mm Mm-hmm. That is what I would probably say is mental strength. Did you know that there are 13 things that mentally strong people don't do? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have said there were 13. I mean, <laughs> I always assumed there were just like eight or nine. <laughs> well, 13 is an unlucky number, so maybe that's why that number was chosen. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I put, I put some notes in our shared document here, and I don't know if you saw them or or not, but if you didn't, could you name off like several of things that you don't think mentally, mentally strong people do? I'm sorry, things that they don't do. Yeah. Well, I did glance over them, but I didn't, they didn't really register. So I will try to close my eyes and (laughs) come up with a few things without looking at the cheat sheet. All right. Let me see here. So they would not, um, overthink things maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. They would not let their, which this might be the same thing, they wouldn't let their minds kind of dwell in the same paths, like where they just keep going in a circle, just keep dwelling on bad thoughts. Um, They would maybe even embrace difficult things, not try to get away from them. Okay. Uh, Yeah. you have any hints? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of running out of things here. (laughs) Well, I want to get into... Uh, into this list more I, I read a book and it is titled 13 things mentally strong people don't do by amy morin so i want to talk a little bit about the book i think i'll just read the list of the things that they don't do uh, you got i would say maybe two of them one was that they don't focus on things they can't control mm-hmm. and uh the other was they don't fear taking calculated risks so i think you get those two categories. So the 13 things are that mentally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. They don't give away their power. They don't shy away from change. They don't focus on things they can't control. They don't worry about pleasing everyone. They don't fear taking calculated risks. They don't dwell on the past. They don't make the same mistakes over and over. They don't resent other people's success. They don't give up after the first failure. They don't fear alone time. They don't feel the world owes them anything, and they don't expect immediate results. Those are actually Mm -hmm. the chapter titles for the book. So having gone over the list of 13 things, does this sound like a book that you would want to read or that you would find value out of? Well, I would say the list of things, I mean, I I would say that I pretty much would agree with most of them. The one that strikes me a little bit sideways is they don't give away their power. That feels a little selfish maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say a lot of those, I would say that they, they make sense as far as reading a book. Well, it kind of (laughs) depends. Um, right now, probably not because I have a bunch of other books I want to read, but (laughs) I do enjoy, I do enjoy reading self-help books or, I call them self-improvement because self-help, I don't know, it just kind of has a bad connotation to me. Huh. But I do read some of those types of books. You, you said you call them self-improvement? Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting because I had gone to Wikipedia, trust the old Wikipedia, mm-hmm. to figure out what a self-help book is and, and thinking about talking about this episode. It says in the article that it's self-help books take their name from Self-Help, which was a book written in 1859. Hmm by Samuel Smiles. I don't know who he is, and I've never read that book. From that book was birthed this whole self-help genre, I suppose. But now they are classified under self-improvement because self-help is uh, maybe not in vogue. Mm -hmm. So self-improvement is a more modernized version of self-help. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I... I wouldn't... I don't think I would ever have used self-improvement, but it makes sense. I think one of the reasons that people don't like the idea of self-help is they don't want to don't want to seem as if they need help. They just want to improve the already good that they are. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe so. Do you have you read? You said you enjoy it, or you have enjoyed it. So this is a genre that you've dipped into before. Yes, I have. I haven't read a lot of them. I read a number. Of course, our good friend Cal Newport. He has a book or two kind of in the self-help genre. Well, self-help slash productivity. Mm-hmm. So deep work is one I may have mentioned on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. It was the first book of his that I read, and I really, really like that. And that was kind of the gateway drug to other Cal Newport <laughs> sure. uh, books. And now his podcast, and I also get his email newsletter. So... I'm a I'm an acolyte of, of Cal Newport, so <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do like his stuff. I'm trying to think of some other books that would be in the self help genre that I've read. I read Atomic Habits by James Clear, mm-hmm. and I also read Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Those are two books that I've read in the last maybe two years or so that I both thought they were pretty good. Um, Essentialism, I read it on ebook, not a an actual paper copy Mm -hmm. and maybe partially because of that, it really didn't resonate with me that much, Uh, but it's a type of book I would actually like to read again sometime to see if maybe the second time through I would get more out of it. This time I'll try to get a paper copy instead of an ebook on my tablet. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I wouldn't have classified those books as self-help. I would have dumped them into productivity, but now that you're, now that you're saying it, I can see that they are, they are improvement books, right? So that they would fit in mm-hmm. in the same category. When I think of self-help books, I do have them on a different shelf of my mind than what I would call productivity, like the James Clear, Cal Newport sort of uh, way to, to get more out of your life books. Mm-hmm. Self-help to me feels like more fluffy <laughs> yeah, or has more fluff, more fluff in it mm-hmm. and it tends to be in, in my mind, I'm saying have more of a psychological bent and mm-hmm. dealing or yeah, dealing a lot with, with the psyche and how to either manipulate it or empower it or whatever. Mm-hmm. This book was an ebook that came up in my recommended list on Kindle. It was free to read because I have a, a Kindle Unlimited subscription, and so it didn't cost me anything, as it were, to to pick it up. And I hadn't read a self-help book of this flavor in a good while, so 
I gave it a go. It's a really short book in a sense. I would say Mm -hmm. it's an easy read. But before I talk about the book itself, I was thinking a bit about self-help books after I got out of this book Mm -hmm. and was curious where they fall in the lineup and found that for hard copy books that were sold on Amazon, and this is a a data point that I wasn't able to confirm. I didn't, uh, Jeff Bezos already stepped off the board, so I wasn't able to ask him, I mean, not off the board, but as CEO, (laughs) so I wasn't able to ask him. Mm. But the report says that self-help books on Amazon were number two in uh, 2020, I think. Okay. Yeah. And in the eBooks for on Amazon, it was the number four genre that sold. And above number four in the eBooks was religion and then biographies, business and money. And then number four is self-help. Mm-hmm. So I found that very fascinating that it's one of the, one of the top genres that are being used out there. So people are wanting wanting to improve their lives. Mm-hmm. And this data point was taken off of 2.5 billion books that went through Amazon, which is another astonishing number. Yeah. Why do you th- why do you think people read self-help books? Is that too of an obvious or question with an obvious answer? Well, one thing I'm wondering about is now those books is that for non-fiction books or is that for all books? Non-fiction. Okay. That's non-fiction. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It's interesting they put religion and spirituality in nonfiction. I'm guessing a lot of people would probably put that in the fiction category, but uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of people do have this desire to to get better. I mean, we've we've talked about that a good bit on the podcast already, and mm-hmm. yeah, a way you know reading a book is is a way to get some ideas on how to improve. I know with Atomic Habits. Of course, I don't remember nearly all the book, but there's a few things, a few core tenets of of the Atomic Habits kind of methodology about building habits that I still remember and stick with me, and I've even implemented a few of those myself. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they are useful, but and I and maybe you're going to be going there, but a book is th- there's there's more and more and more self-help books. I mean, it's a huge section in bookstores, but yet mm-hmm. are people actually being improved by self-help books or is it more of a trying, um, trying and failing? I'm not sure. Yeah, that was those are some of the very questions that I have and I don't have any data to to answer it, but it's a human it's a human problem that we feel incomplete and that we need to get better in some way or many ways. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you think about someone without God and without the Bible to guide them, where else do you go? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can Google things, but maybe the next best place is a self-help book. I thought about two reasons two other reasons that maybe people read self-help books. The one was kind of this in, in my mind is a bit of a similar to work procrastination that we talked about where you have an issue. Okay. Say for example, that I want to 
be healthier, have a healthier body type or a more fit body type. Mm-hmm. So I can either go to start going to the gym every day and working out, or I could get a self-help book that gets my mind all pumped about uh, making success in that area. And then I can feel good and put the book away yeah. and maybe not feel so, <laughs> maybe not feel so out of shape as I did before reading the book. Mm-hmm. And then the other maybe ties along with that is kind of a get rich quick scheme to the problems that I have. So if I am struggling to get all the things done in my day, instead of dealing with those, maybe I could get a book that tells me seven ways to go from overwhelmed to a beach house in Hawaii (laughs) sort of thing. Yeah. And it's kind of a pie in the sky yeah. that we never can actually get to. Yeah, there's there's a really famous kind of a productivity lifestyle advice book called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. You've probably heard of it. I have. I've not read it, though. Yeah, I have a copy currently on my bedstand. It's been there for probably six to nine months. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I started reading it, and I don't know. There's some things about it I'm not even sure should even be goals of a Christian, and it's been uh, a little while yeah. since I've picked it up, but it's very much of a me-focused, how can I make a good income and have the life that I want? Right, right, so right, right. It's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you, you could also listen to podcasts that say, you know, have episode titles like, follow these seven easy steps <laughs> to make a best friend. You won't believe what happens. Uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah, we chose that title. Obvious clickbait. <laughs> we were poking fun at clickbait. Yeah, and it's interesting because this book, uh, 13, uh, 13 Things That Mentally Strong People Don't Do, is has very much that marketed feel, like search engine optimization feel. Mm-hmm. One of the things that jumped out at me right away was that the title had a numeral in it. Like instead of saying 13, it had the number 13 in it. Mm-hmm. So if you are into marketing much at all, one of the tactics is put a numeral in and then put in a phrase that promises something. And I think this book actually has a, um, what do you call it? Like a subtitle. Yeah. But I forget what it is off off the bat. But it definitely feels like a um, BuzzFeed <laughs> article title. And the way the book is set up is very very much of a marketed feel. Mm-hmm. I, in one of my past lives and one of my past jobs, did some training in marketing and figured out some of these things like, um, oh, let me see. I think I wrote it down here somewhere that, yeah. So each chapter has the same, same exact pattern, like exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They have a hook and then they give a relatable story about the most, you know, some very successful person that had a horrible experience, but then came out to be uh, the man who made Hershey, Pennsylvania, for example. Mm-hmm. And then they move from that to a listicle. And then from that, they recall the story and then they apply the story to you so that you can also be the hero. And then at the end, they say, remember these points and they reiterate it in, in bullets. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, very much feels like it was made for millennials to be able to ingest. <laughs> yeah. 
for that, maybe maybe you're figuring out now that uh, this is not going to go in my list of top ten books that I ever <laughs> ever read. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of picking that up here. <laughs> <laughs> but I do not enjoy skimming books. But I wanted to talk about this book in or for what it's worth because I wanted to talk about a few things that were in the book. But then as I got into it, I was like. I kind of want to talk about this book just for what the book is as a marketing mm-hmm. scheme. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe you need to read through it to get a good idea of how you're supposed to set up your book before you you publish it. Have have you are you getting close to publishing your book? Yes, I am. I will I'm planning to send it to the printer later this week. I'm hoping Ooh. hoping I can get it sent off by Friday and if everything goes well, thankfully the person I'm getting to print it is a good friend of mine. <laughs> so uh-huh. I can maybe um, influence him a little bit and get him to get it printed <laughs> yeah. for sure before Christmas. But I think it'll definitely be, I'll definitely have hard copies in hand before New Year's. So mm. those of you who are listening who would like a copy, you can uh, send me a personal message and I will try to uh, to get that to you. Or you can send an email as well. That's very exciting. I think you had said you wanted to be done before the end of the year, right? So it looks like you're going you're mm-hmm. to meet your goal. Yeah, at this point, um, well, part of it was that there was a listener to the podcast who I also <laughs> happened to work with. Mm-hmm. I was talking to them and they said, hey, when's your book going to get done? And I said, well, I'm planning to get it done before Christmas. And he said, I don't think you're going to get it done before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so... I messaged LaShonda right after I talked to him and said, this person told me that we can't get it done before Christmas. We will show him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just the motivation you needed. (laughs) Exactly. So that, that kicked us into gear and we've been, I've been getting up early in the morning and LaShonda has been working quite a bit. She put in five or six hours Saturday. I took care of the boys most of the day. And she was working on it. So it's there's just a few little things coming together, but I think it should be done by, yeah, Friday, uh, probably at the latest. And you've shared some screenshots with me of some of your design, and I think it looks, it looks like a, it looks like a book. I mean, it looks, you know, it doesn't look thrown together. It looks like you you all actually mm-hmm. managed to make something attractive, and I enjoy the story that you tell. Also, so I hope people, other people, can mm-hmm. get a hold of it and enjoy it. Anyway, back to uh, back to the thirteen things. Now, I don't. I am not uh, attacking the author. She begins the book in her introduction by talking about how she went through several very difficult things: uh, losing her mother, losing her husband, who was only twenty six, to a heart attack, mm-hmm. and there was another loss in her life. I think over a fairly short period. And how that had devastated her. And from that, she started coming up with the 13 things that mentally strong people don't do so that she could essentially pull herself out of that hole. Mm-hmm. And if I were to describe this book, I think that is probably how I would best describe it, is it is a very much of a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps sort of book. Mm-hmm. And some of these things, like you said, you agree with them, 
like mentally strong people uh don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves and yeah that can be a truth that mm-hmm. i wouldn't argue with but the ch- the way the chapter goes is uh you know there's again the story about the famous person or someone who went through a difficult time and then came out as a hero and then a description of what uh, self-pity is and then it says why we feel sorry for ourselves and then the problem that comes from that that it's a waste of time it leads to negative emotions it becomes self-fulfilling prevents you from dealing with things it causes you to overlook the good in life interferes with your relationships and so those things we can all agree with and then it gets to what is i would say considered the meat of the chapter and the the header is stop feeling sorry for yourself Mm -hmm. so it that's the way the book goes it's just like don't do these things well (laughs) (laughs) if i'm a mentally strong person this this book is just going to affirm who i am yeah if i'm a mentally deficient person which some people could argue that i am (laughs) giving me a line like stop feeling sorry for yourself how is that supposed to help me not not really a book that i would uh, recommend for a mentally a mentally weak person <laughs> so what would you so how would you rate the book on a scale of 1 to 5 stars i would give it i would give it 2 stars okay i think wow i thought about giving it yeah i thought about i thought about giving it 1 star because it's just so vapid Mm-hmm. Is it vapid or vapid? I would say vapid, but I don't know. Okay, let's pretend that's the right way to say it. But the reason I give it two stars is because there are some interesting stories in about people who went through difficult times and pulled out. And you can, if you squint hard enough, you can read through the lines and make an application to mm-hmm. yourself. But the book itself does not actually make those applications for you, and so... Uh, yeah, it's kind of a weak book. So like at the end of this chapter on not wasting time feeling sorry for yourself, it just ends by saying, give yourself a reality check, uh, replace overly negative thoughts with realistic thoughts, choose to problem solve and and practice gratitude, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, (sighs) yeah, I mean, you you can tell someone that, but it just does not have the same feel as a, as a, a James Clear book at all. (laughs) (laughs) I did have a few highlights that I wanted to throw out at you. Some of them are maybe, maybe I highlighted them because I was feeling a bit sarcastic and some of them are actually, I think, uh, good thoughts to consider. One thing at the beginning of the book, it says the truth about mental strength is being mentally strong isn't about acting tough. It's not about being a robot, but it's about acting according to your values. And that, I thought, was a key point that I wish the author would have built on, talking about what values should I have and how do I cultivate those values and where do I find those values and what habits do I need to form Mm -hmm. and so on. But I do think that 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 actually was an accurate statement. Yeah, I guess it would be somewhat difficult for some people to to really point to what their values are. 
So maybe that would be a good thing to start mm-hmm. with is what are my values and how does that inform how I should deal with these things I'm going through. Here's a, a quote for you. Success won't find you. You have to pursue it. That's one of the ones that made me give it two stars. Okay. <laughs> Instead of just one star. Or I'll, maybe I was thinking that it brought it down from three to mm-hmm. two. <laughs> this one I thought was actually a bit more valuable. Although self-reflection is healthy, dwelling can be self-destructive. So prevent yourself from enjoying the it pre- it prevents you from enjoying the present and for planning for the future. Mm-hmm. That is a deeper thought. Again, one of those thoughts that was a gem in the midst of a rather otherwise empty chapter. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to hear. I would have liked to have heard more about what is the difference between self reflection and dwelling on a problem, because looking into the Psalms, for example. Uh, David talks and other psalmists talk about meditating a lot. And that's something that I don't do, really, I don't think. Do you meditate? Mm, Not really, no. I'm not even sure if I could describe what meditation is or how one would go about it other than maybe self-reflection. But it's almost not even about the self. It's about something beyond the self, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But meditating I th- is, again, something different from dwelling. So, uh, for example, my wife lost her wallet in market last week and her residency card went with it. So reflection on that, I think, would mean something like, how did this happen? How can we avoid letting it happen again? You know, what can we learn from it? Mm-hmm. And dwelling is like, I can't believe I was robbed from, or I can't believe I lost this thing, and now I'm just stuck, and mm-hmm. and sort of that sort of spiral. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely a difference there between self-reflection and dwelling on. And it was kind of what I mentioned at the very beginning, like what, what mentally strong people don't do is I would say that they don't dwell on on things that you can't control, things that... You know, mistakes you made. I mean, you you should definitely recognize your mistakes, but you shouldn't. You you can't just keep. Um, let me see what would be the term: self-flagellation. <laughs> right, right. Basically, just just whipping yourself for something for some stupid thing you've done. That's not going. It's not going to go back and change it. It's just going to make you feel worse. Mm-hmm. In the jumping way forward in the book, to they don't dwell on the past. There was one sentence that jumped out at me, and that was, our memories aren't as accurate as we think they are. And again, I wish that this would have been opened up in that chapter, but in dwelling on the past, something that I am learning more and more about the way my brain works is I used to think it was like a video camera, you know, where it... uh, it captured this memory in perfect detail that I could pull up and go over. And I'm realizing that it's actually more like (laughs) impressionistic painting. Is that the term (laughs) where? (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. My mind has a feeling of a thing and it pulls up a memory, but my feeling is, was just my subjective experience in that moment that my brain has built a memory around and maybe 
almost completely wrong about the thing that actually happened. Yeah. So that's another reason not to dwell on the past. I thought that was valuable, but um, someone needs to write a book on that. (laughs) And then later about not giving up. Although there's a lot to be said for dusting yourself off and getting right back up on the horse, it's wiser to figure out why you fell off in the first place before you try again. I really like that statement. Yeah. It's good to, which I think that that whole thing about self-reflection mm-hmm. would be helpful in figuring out, you know, why did I make that mistake again? Um, so you don't make it again when you do get back up on the horse. Yeah. It sounds like it was a book that, although in some ways was, <laughs> was kind of shallow and trite that it seemed like there were a few to use a trite expression, diamonds in the rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trite would probably be a good a good word for it. One thing at the ver- toward the very end of the book that, or yeah, close to the very end of the book anyway, that I thought connected with something that you and I are both living out right now is overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And the author says that one reason that we are too busy is the the notion that being alone is bad and being surrounded by people is good pressures us to fill our social calendars. And then she talks just briefly about uh, giving in to societal pressures to take on things that take on more than we ought to take on. Mm-hmm. But that was something that just made me go, Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the idea of either alone time or quiet time, or non-active, non-productive time, if you want mm-hmm. to put that in air quotes, is bad, and being busy and being having a full calendar is good, does, I think, sometimes make me say yes to things that I really ought to say no to. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, I do love spending time with people, but there are times that I just do want to uh, have a little bit of alone time. But one thing I've I've noticed for myself with being pretty busy lately is if I'm not being busy, if I'm not being productive, I sometimes feel a little bit guilty that I'm not getting something done. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But I've sometimes just forced myself to pick up a book that that is just totally a pleasure read. It's not it's not some deep book or something that I'm reading for the podcast or reading for some other project that I'm thinking about. It's just for fun, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. find that that's it's it's good it's good to do that every now and then. And that's something I try to do, is to keep a variety of books that I'm reading, so I can. If I just feel like I'm getting a little bit, just a little bit worn out, I'll I'll pick up something that's a little bit lighter, and it kind of helps uh, helps refresh me. Yeah. Well, why did I talk about this book? <laughs> <laughs> I think one reason was. We have already in the past talked about some really deep books that we read and how it can, I almost felt like sometimes we made ourselves, or I made myself anyway, sound a bit like, um, uh, I don't know, this Confucius who (laughs) is just taking in all this great information and improving his life. But occasionally I hit on books like this and I waste several hours and my life is no better, and maybe my blood pressure has risen at a few <laughs> places where it wouldn't have had to. So be forewarned, don't read this book. And to anyone listening, if you have a good self-help book <laughs> that teaches me how to be mentally strong, please send it my way. 